Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's episode, we're joined by Bill Sharon, partner at Prior Cashman and their litigation group, and co-chair of their art law practice, and Megan No, partner at Cahill, Kasoon, Nolan Robinson, a firm with expertise in art law matters. Bill and Megan are here to discuss the Court of Arbitration for Art. It's a brand new specialized arbitration and mediation tribunal they established exclusively dedicated to resolving the full spectrum of art law disputes. Bill and Megan, thanks for speaking with us. Thank you, Adam. Thanks. Happy to be here. Most of our audience are not lawyers, but they do follow the news and see the seemingly increasing number of headlines with art cases going to court. What's the motivation behind founding the Court of Arbitration for Art, and why are the existing courts not really an ideal place in your view to solve these disputes? I would say it is really to help both parties who find themselves in art law disputes, but also to help the market uh, accept the results of those disputes. Uh, And to sort of take your two questions together, why are courts not the ideal place? Courts themselves are are sort of upfront, uh, particularly with respect to authenticity disputes as to why they're not the ideal place. Uh, and, And that's kind of at the core of the motivation. There's more than one published decision out there where a court has said, with respect to authenticity disputes in particular, look, we're not authenticators. We don't go out. We don't try to uh, uncover the evidence for ourselves. We take whatever the evidence is that's presented to us, and then we weigh the evidence. That's what a court does, and whether it's in an art law dispute or any other kind of dispute. Courts are reactive bodies, and so um, the typical standard in civil litigation is a more likely than not burden of proof. And courts take the evidence of whether something is authentic or not, uh, and they say more likely than not we think it's authentic, or more likely than not we don't think it's right. And at that point, a court has fulfilled its job, but the market certainly doesn't have to accept it. And, and that's where the courts come out and recognize this problem uh, that, you know, we, uh, we, the judge or we, the jury may, may make a determination, but that really doesn't advance anything uh, because it doesn't mean that a work really is authentic or is not authentic. You have cases out there where leading scholars of an artist or even sometimes the artist, him or herself, will disavow a work. But a court will say, well, but the totality of the evidence makes it look like uh, this, this really uh, might be authentic. And oftentimes you'll see courts defaulting to evidence of provenance. And so you've got provenance versus connoisseurship, and the market just shrugs its shoulders at the whole thing. But in the course of that process, the litigating parties have spent a lot of time and a lot of money Uh, quite often in a lot of exercises involving discovery and expert analysis uh, that can be quite costly. Uh, And so they've expended all of this effort for a result that isn't terribly helpful uh, to the market. And if it's not helpful to the market, it's really not going to be that helpful to whichever the prevailing party is either. And so the motivation of the Court of Arbitration for Art was to try to find a forum that would better suit these kinds of cases Um, It it really started uh, in my role with an organization in The Hague in the Netherlands uh, called Authentication in Art, or AIA. Uh, I'm an advisory board member of AIA. 
Uh, and every two years, they hold uh, what they refer to as a Congress in The Hague. And it's a real cross-section of stakeholders internationally uh, throughout the art market. Uh, and so you've got uh, lawyers represented, but thankfully not too many. Um, you've got, uh, more importantly, uh, experts, be it connoisseurs, foundations, uh, forensic provenance researchers, you've got stakeholders, you've got dealers, you've got collectors, you've got auction house representatives, museum representatives, and people get together. And the main purpose has been to try to understand the problem of um, uh, fakes in the marketplace and what could be done to, to address the problem. Uh, and I don't think you're ever going to eliminate the problem of fake art in the marketplace. I think that as long as there's money to be made, there's going to be fake art made. Um, but what you can sort of do is surround the problem and make it more difficult. And uh, at the last Congress in 2016, it occurred to me that one of the problems uh, is that you get these very inefficient and uncertain results from, from the courts. And that perhaps what we could do is mitigate that problem significantly by having more experienced deciders uh, and, a, and a better equipped forum to handle these kinds of disputes. Uh, and it started off as an authenticity centric idea. Uh, but at the last Congress, uh, we at AIA met with folks from the Netherlands Arbitration Institute, which is an alternative dispute resolution or an ADR forum in Europe, which is very highly respected in Europe. Uh, and we approached them about uh, sponsoring what would be an adjunct tribunal for them uh, that would be focused on art law disputes or authenticity disputes in particular. Um, and uh, they were in favor of the idea. We, we um, Once it was clear that uh, they were going to be working with AIA on this, uh, I was dispatched to form a working group in New York, uh, which I did with, uh, with Megan uh, and also with Luke Nickus at Quinn Emanuel and uh, Judith Prouda at uh, Strophius Law and also at the Sotheby's Institute of Art. Uh, we also worked uh, with Nicola Wallace in, in London for some European perspective. Um, and we set to work over the last year and a half doing a lot of research to try to um, conceive of a, a platform and specific rules that would make up this court. Uh, and so we did such things as we developed questionnaires, uh, reached out to the various expert communities um, to, to understand um, you know, what, what kind of a forum they would feel comfortable with. Um, we did a very extensive literature review of other specialized tribunals and sort of the philosophy of alternative dispute resolution in general. Um, and uh, this took up quite a bit of our time. Um, but in the end, we got together. There were quite a few meetings and debates and, and trying to figure out what rules would best encourage uh, an efficient process, but also a reliable process and one that is really tailored to these kinds of disputes. And we put pen to paper and um, developed what uh, is now ultimately codified as the NAI's formal Court of Arbitration for Art Adjunct Rules. Uh, and in the process, uh, NAI um, found that they really liked what we were developing and they asked if we could expand it beyond authenticity uh, into all manners of, of art disputes, including such things as stolen art or chain of title cases, run-of-the-mill contract cases, copyright cases, 
and we found that it was actually very easily adaptable. Uh, and so while there are some special rules dealing with authenticity disputes and the role of experts in particular, uh, the general rules are applicable to all kinds of art disputes. And you'll find that there are now um, very experienced uh, arbitrators who are available to parties to help resolve these cases. And so, Megan, can you walk us through how the Court of Arbitration for Art will work exactly? Who participates? What's the process like? And what happens with the results? Sure. So the great thing is that the arbitrators will be members of the international law community. So they will be people who have experience in working on these particular kinds of disputes. Similarly, the panel will be drawing upon expertise from a pool of neutral experts who provide opinions on connoisseurship, forensic science, and provenance, the issues you know, that are relevant to authenticity disputes that Bill had already mentioned. And those experts will also be individuals who are recognized in their fields and people whose expertise is accepted as definitive in the marketplace. And that market legitimacy was something that was really important to us. So how it will work is that people will either opt in, in other words, they will say, hey, we have a dispute, let's agree to have it administered by NAI pursuant to these rules, or people may, we hope, eventually be defaulted into this procedure, for lack of a better description, by virtue of being bound by contracts that specify the Court of Arbitration for Art as the agreed venue for dispute resolution in advance. Um, the disputes will be governed by NAI's rules as supplemented by the adjunct rules that our working group drafted for art-specific disputes. And the proceedings themselves, including testimony from experts and presentation of evidence, will be confidential, but the panel, the arbitrator or arbitrators, will ultimately issue reasoned decisions that will be published with the names of the parties redacted so that the market can understand and accept these results and so that the other parties transacting in the art market in the future can learn from the precedent that those opinions establish. And Bill, since the announcement of the establishment of the Court of Arbitration for Art, what's the response been like from the lawyer community and those you've engaged with? Is this something that everyone feels is needed? I think the reception so far has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, I mean, it's even, you know, it's very hard to get a bunch of lawyers in a room and get a, a consensus, let alone strong consensus. Um, but uh, and I, and I wouldn't say that everyone uh, is is in, is necessarily in favor of this. I, I have heard some dissenting remarks that I'll address. Um, but um, and and Megan can certainly jump in here as well. But the truly overwhelming response from lawyers has been very, very positive. Uh, and I think lawyers are particularly well positioned to understand that when we talk about inefficiency in the courtroom and the lack of reliability and results, they know what that means. They know that um, they're the ones who have to counsel their clients and, and have their clients keep spending money on cases that can drag on because um, the, the expertise at issue, the science at issue in a lot of these cases is not, it's certainly not common knowledge, but it's not even very straightforward to judges. And so there can be this reflex uh, in, in the court system to um, allow in more and more discovery, even if um, it is of, of questionable um, probative value. 
Um, but, but whenever that happens, it's the party that needs to keep paying for this. And so lawyers, I think, are very, very in tune with this dynamic and the problem. And, um, I, you know, the, the response that I've received is that this is a, a very promising uh, option and forum. Uh, obviously, it's a new option and forum. Uh, and so people will want to better understand and, and see it uh, in progress. I think that mediation, the, uh, the fact that mediation is offered um, is, is something that will be appealing to uh, disputing parties and their lawyers uh, as a way to kind of enter the process. Um, but at the end of the day, the 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 market of art lawyers is um, you know sufficiently niche that I think people all kind of understand the issues and and the reasons that the the courts struggle with these questions and how the court of arbitration for art is better positioned uh, as a result. Um, I've also found uh, in dealing, I, I gave a presentation to the Catalog Raisonné Scholars Association conference a couple of weeks ago, and there too is a very positive response. And these are the people who can um, not only uh, perhaps uh, include dispute resolution provisions and submission agreements uh, that would involve the Court of Arbitration for Art, but these are people who could serve as experts and to do so in a in a more insulated and, and safer environment. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are aware of the fact that, that connoisseurs in particular are opting out of offering their opinions for fear of themselves being sued uh, and themselves being dragged into very protracted and, and sometimes nasty litigation. And the ability to, to offer their expertise, which is so important in, the, in authenticity disputes in particular, um, to, to do so without that kind of threat was, um, I think, very, uh, very promising, uh, very positive development to them. Um, as I said, I, I have heard some dissenting remarks, and I think that um, in in time, um, those will, um, you know, people who have their concerns will will find those concerns assuaged. Uh, one kind of dissent that I've heard is that sometimes there is a real strategic reason to be in court. Um, perhaps there's a strategic reason to want to protract litigation um, or um, a strategic reason to want to be able to um, you know, uh, fight for every every hill, every battle over every hill, so to speak, uh, as opposed to having a more streamlined process. Uh, and and if you know, I think that it's just a situation that if you've got, uh, if a lawyer believes that there's a strategic benefit to dragging something out, then this is not going to be a good avenue for them because that's an anathema to what the Court of Arbitration for Art really stands for. Um, but I think that that's the uh, the the real exception rather than the rule. Uh, and another kind of dissenting remark I've heard is that because arbitration is what's called a creature of contract, it, it, you can never force parties to arbitrate. They have to agree to it in their contract. And so a lot of times uh, institutions who are putting out contracts on a fairly large scale, foundations, as I mentioned, or perhaps auction houses, um, if they're the ones that are including a court of arbitration for art dispute mechanism, then I've heard a dissenting uh, comment that uh, perhaps this will be sort of uh, too cozy of a business relationship, really, between the, the auction houses, foundations, and the court. 
Um, and I, I, I don't think that's right at all. Um, you know, whether it's the Court of Arbitration for Art or any arbitration tribunal, whenever parties agree to arbitrate, it is a private dispute mechanism that's in place. The arbitrators and the tribunal get paid by the parties. That is a necessary commercial relationship, but it doesn't imbue it with bias. Uh, and I don't think it would in this case either. I think that the whole motivation here uh, is to have people who, who genuinely want to do right by the parties and right by the marketplace and get to the right result. Uh, and I think that in, in the fullness of time and, and really not that much time, uh, it will become clear to people that that is what the Court of Arbitration for Art really stands for. And as you're just launching this court now, what do you think is the best way to get art world adoption? In other words, getting parties in a dispute to decide to use the court of arbitration for art rather than the traditional courts. I think the main value add is, again, this idea that the people adjudicating these disputes will be practitioners who, by default, have a better understanding of the issues in play. And they will therefore be better equipped to address these disputes than certain judges in, for example, a typical U.S. state court state court rotation who litigants might otherwise be assigned to really by luck of the draw. And those types of judges are handling a wide variety of commercial disputes, but may be unfamiliar with the nuances of authenticity or art title issues or even customs and practices business-wise in the art market. So certainly we think that will be a driving factor, and we also think that that will be the case for the cost and time efficiencies that this model offers as compared to civil litigation. Um, in terms of buy-in, we hope that art law practitioners see the Court of Arbit Arbitration for Art as a valuable complement to civil litigation and recommend that a provision for its use be included in relevant contracts, so like I said, using it proactively before a dispute occurs. Um, and we think that like any other new tool, it needs to generate positive word of mouth from parties who have had positive experiences reaching a resolution using it. So we want it to build momentum by virtue of that actual market approval. Um, going back to the cost and time efficiencies, plaintiffs typically don't want to delay prosecuting their claims. So, you know, with art, like anything else, the old adage of stall, hinder, delay doesn't necessarily favor either party in art cases because there's a cloud over the art and defendants have an, have an interest in getting that cloud lifted and plaintiff has an interest in getting what it perceives as justice. So the efficiencies really favor both sides. And looking forward, what does the timeline look like for the next few steps for actually launching the Court of Arbitration for Art? So the next AIA Congress is uh, June 7th through 9th in The Hague uh, coming up, and um, Megan and Luke and Judith and I will be there. Uh, the formal launch will be on Friday, June 8th at the Congress uh, with AIA and with the NAI folks there as well. Um, and the, I believe the mayor of The Hague is also going to be there. Uh, and... Um, so that marks the, the formal launch. The adjunct rules are in force, uh, effective as of April 30th. And so NAI has an apparatus in place, ready to go. Uh, the remaining step will be to form the arbitrator pools and also the expert pools for forensic scientists and provenance researchers for the authenticity cases. Uh, and there's going to be an application process that will be announced uh, with the formal launch. Uh, and then I would imagine that 
we will start having people uh, apply very quickly. I, I've already received quite a few um, uh, internationally, uh, quite a few uh, quasi applications, so to speak. I'm not. I'm not involved in the application process. Megan's not involved. Um, uh, that's that's going to be run by NAI and AIA uh, in conjunction. Um, but once that is announced, I, I do think people are eager um, to to get that going. And uh, once the pools are in place, then. Uh, then it's simply going to be a matter of getting parties to agree to send their disputes to mediation or arbitration at the Court of Arbitration for Art. Well, Bill and Megan, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast and introducing us to the Court of Arbitration for Art. It seems like a great alternative to the traditional courts to resolving art law disputes. And if we want to follow along as things develop for the Court of Arbitration for Art, is there a website we can visit? Uh, it's uh, authentication.in.art.org. Perfect. Thanks so much again. We appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Bye.